Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And we are back. Welcome once again to Business Story of the Week. I am Joshua. I am your co-host. And today, like any other day, we navigate the world of business, innovation, entrepreneurship. We uncover stories of perseverance, struggles, and success. And today, you know, it is all about persevering. And we have a, a leading voice when it comes to persevering through struggles and a very, very important message. I feel that, you know, every time we have uh, guests with the expertise in this kind of field, Dr. Laura Streffler is a respected therapist known for her compassionate and practical approach to counseling. She utilizes a blend of traditional and alternative methods tailored to each client's needs, specializing in areas such as relationships, trauma, and mental health disorders. With a career also dedicated to education and advocacy, she has taught at Hodges University and Florida, Florida Gulf Coast and teaches free seminars, provides free seminars on critical... Sorry about that. Something popped up. Okay, I'll have the I'll have her editor edit that out. <laughs> With a career dedicated to education and advocacy, she taught at Hodges University and Florida Gulf Coast University, and frequently provides seminars on critical issues like domestic violence and sexual abuse. Doctor Rollis Laura, this is a very important message. I'd love to get into it, but first and foremost. How are you? You look lovely today. Thank you for being well, here. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I love talking about the resilience of the human spirit. Oh, well, that is exactly what we're going to get into today. And I really love this. You know, well, I, I love the topic in the sense that it's very important. It's a very important message to put out there. And I and I speak, of course, for the, our audience and listeners as well, that it is something so important that it needs to be talked about more and it won't, it, you know, it's not talked about enough. It will never be talked about too much, so to speak. Right. But I always want to ask, you know, I always want to start it this way. I want to start it from the very beginning, right? I want to start where your journey into counseling began, like maybe from early childhood during your education, perhaps, perhaps personal experiences as well. Could you share to us what inspired you to pursue this career and particularly specializing in the field of trauma? And is there anything that happened along the way that motivated you or pushed you in this direction? Well, you know, I was 30 before I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I never really thought about becoming a therapist until I pretty much was one. I, uh, I grew up in a home. My dad committed suicide when I was 14. My mom struggled with um, mental illness. And then I got into an abusive relationship uh, towards the end of college. Um, and then when I was 27, 
I moved from Massachusetts to Florida with two suitcases and a $175 check that I have happened to have in my wallet and I started my life over. And at that point, I was, um, I was in sales. My undergraduate degree is in media communications. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, did, I was in advertising. And then I started subbing at a high school and volunteering in a domestic violence shelter. And the next thing mm-hmm. I knew, I was in a master's counseling program. Wow. So you started volunteering first, and then it just sort of kind of happened. Yeah, you, you know, the universe wow. just puts you where, where you're supposed to be. Say, I was going to say, it just feels like um, the, it, it, it was never intentional, so to speak. But then now it feels more intentional than ever, I imagine. It's funny, when and, you said it's never intentional, what I heard, it was never intended. It was, sorry, it was never right. intended by me, but I guess it was intended by the universe because I just ended up there. It's funny, I was subbing at the high school and going to graduate school and I couldn't decide if I wanted to work with teenagers because I loved working with teenagers um, Mm -hmm. or work in domestic violence. And for Mm -hmm. my master's program, I ended up writing a program for teenagers Uh arrested for domestic violence and their families. And I facilitated Uh that five years. So, you know, I, didn't know that I wanted to do that either, but there I was. I, and I've done in-home for child abuse and neglect. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was, you know, just, was there a particular moment throughout that five years, perhaps, where that kind of made you feel like or decided that, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Was it was it a particular moment or was it more of a gradual thing? Well, I needed something to do for my internship and I couldn't decide if I wanted to, I was doing in-home for child abuse and neglect. So kids Mm -hmm. didn't have to go into the, into the system at the time. Mm -hmm. And my supervisor, her husband worked at a substance abuse agencies that worked with the juvenile justice system. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing my internship with him. And as an internship, I wrote the program initially because I wanted to work with teenagers and right. I <clears throat> I knew about domestic violence and it just kind of evolved. Wow. And yeah, just... I was very blessed where I had a lot of success mm-hmm. with the families and with the kids. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to keep doing it. There's nothing more, more beautiful than seeing pain go away. Precisely. It must have felt early on that you know, you, you were just interning, writing the program or creating the program. And then just seeing this result must have felt a, a lot of fulfillment, so to speak. Of course, you're helping people and you're helping them overcome these in unimaginable trauma, so to speak. And I, I love how you used how it just evolved because, you know, there's just, there's just like this evolution of to approaching these kind of therapies or these kinds of uh, experiences, uh, um, these kinds of people, these individuals, what they felt. Um, there needs to be like a, a multifaceted approach. Uh, I'd like to, you to kind of dig deep a little bit about your approach, so to speak, uh, with your extensive experience. How have you seen therapeutic approaches evolve and how are you in particular addressing trauma and how do you integrate these into your practice? Well, I, 
I see myself more as a healer than anything else more. I've always seen mm-hmm. myself as an emotional healer. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think people really underestimate the honor and the power of somebody letting you into their pain. That's, That's the most sacred experience there is. Somebody letting you That's see true. them and feeling their pain. And I don't take mm-hmm. that lightly. And for me, mm-hmm. that honor is bigger than anything else on the planet, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. people that have been violated by people that they love, that love them, their family of so origin, sweet. the people that are supposed to protect them are the ones that are violating them. And mm-hmm. yet they come to trust me. As far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, there's no greater gift or honor. That's a beautiful way to put it, Dr. Laura. I love how that you say that they are trusting you with something so you know, it's we're, we're programmed, right? We're programmed to hide our pain. We're programmed to not like to to be in defense because you, we don't want we don't. It's there's a lot of shame surrounding that, especially if it was someone close to you that did that. You know, it's an unimaginable pain for someone you trust to do that to you. And I love how you said that it's you know it's a sacred thing that they that they well, share is, this. Thing. And you probably can't tell on the video, but I'm old, you know, and I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I was doing this before the internet, before Facebook, before mm-hmm. Me Too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was working a domestic violence hotline during the OJ trial before people were really talking wow. about things. And, Precisely. you know, gender roles were very different. You know, mm-hmm. in my new mm-hmm. book, Um, You know, I talk about all relationships and what I find um, Mm -hmm. is one relationships now are so much different in some ways as they were years ago. And in some ways, Mm -hmm. they're so much the Mm -hmm. same. But for most people, what's healthy is very different than what's normal. And everybody Mm -hmm. wants to be normal. But normal for most people isn't healthy. Normal is what you used to. And unless people learn what healthy is, their normal isn't healthy. So they go from one sorry, one relationship to the other that seem normal. I call it the same person with a different name, you know, mm-hmm. until they learn whatever the lesson is they're supposed to learn and learn how to go from what's normal, what they're used to, to wow. what's healthy. I love that. What's normal to what's healthy because we all grow up differently. We all think that you know, how we're treated is normal. And that must be for some, a lot of, especially for children or, you know, teenagers young, who's very young, who experience trauma at such a young age, they, they start to think that this is normal. But, you know, I love that you teach them how to be healthy because those are two different things. I love that well, you mentioned, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, even for people that don't grow up with trauma, a lot of families don't communicate. They don't know how to communicate. Now people are in their 20s, 30s, having relationships and even older, and they don't know how to communicate with their partner. They don't know how to, you know, talk. They assume their partner should know because they Mm -hmm. love them and it seems so obvious Mm -hmm. to them. I find most most couples have the same argument over and over again because they don't have the conflict resolution skills yes, to precisely. deal with conflict in a healthy way. 
Precisely. And just even communicating that, how much you love a person as well, is a challenge to some people. Um, I love that. Like family communication is such a huge pivotal thing into our personality and to our lives. And if we can't, you know, do that, it really affects your, you know, how you grow up, how your experiences are. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what you said about the 40 years that you uh, had. Um, is there any particular changes that you've seen that diff- how how it was different I've seen, now? I've seen a lot of changes. One of the things I talk about, um, I wrote a book in 2020. Um, it came out at the end of 2022 um, oh, in October. In 2023, I'm so proud. Yeah, let me let me just boast. Like it's the All the right. best um, the indie best relationship book for right. um, a nonfiction relationship book, and I talk about how relationships in 2023 are so Mm -hmm. much different than they Mm -hmm. were back in the day that traditional isn't always healthy and healthy isn't always traditional. And that there are all kinds of relationships that are becoming more and more mainstream and sexuality Mm -hmm. is much more accepted by, um, by society. Gay marriage Mm -hmm. is legal. You know, there have been Mm -hmm. a lot of changes in, what's what's considered more normal and mainstream than there were Mm -hmm. years ago also when i originally started especially older couples couples Mm -hmm. um that were older than me when i was you know young and in the field traditional relationships women didn't work they didn't have a lot of their own money marriage vows were you know love honor and obey not love honor and cherish so um the options felt more limited. Yeah. And, um, and now we see a lot more male victims. That's true. I love that. I love that you highlight that because violence, domestic violence, isn't just women. It's also men experience the same. And speaking of communication, do you feel like there's been changes in how this is being talked about? Is it being talked about more? Is it being talked about in a more healthier way now than it was before? I, well, I'm going to have a little bit of my own, my own bias. I think right now it's being talked about differently, but it's become, and, and, and please don't take this the wrong way. When I sure. say trendy, no the, the term narcissist abuse is everywhere. You know, you're not, allowed, you, wow. you can't be an ass anymore. You know, now if, mm-hmm. if you do something that's not nice, all of a sudden you're a narcissist and mm-hmm. somebody's, you know, in a, in a relationship with a narcissist, you know, a narcissistic personality disorder is a very big deal. Um, and you know, somebody can be, you know, a jerk or an ass and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a batter or a good relationship that runs its course and gets nasty. And somebody says something nasty, you know, a lot of times because people see on social media, all these posts about narcissist abuse, Um, you know, and sometimes it really is an awareness and they are in a mentally or emotionally abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So there is awareness, but I think people are so quick to blame their partner about being a narcissist and not looking at, you know, their own part in, you know, what's going on. And sometimes people are just jerks. It, it isn't always narcissist abuse. I love that it's because it's trendy. 
<laughs> like you said that because we, the nature of social media now is like um, it's while it's being talked about more it's being talked in a in a way that is isn't always right isn't always healthy um, do you feel like there's anything that we can do you know individually what how should we be approaching this when we talk about it online well I think one, you need to look at who's saying it. A lot of the posts, especially, you know, a lot of the younger posts, you see from people that have been in a bad relationship, maybe an abusive relationship, maybe their partner cheated, and now they're they're an expert in narcissist abuse and you know they're posting over and over again. I think you really want to look at who's making these posts and what they're saying. You know, the thing about social media is you don't need credentials to be an expert. You can be a coach, you can be an expert, you can be anything you want to be. And all you have to do is put that title on there and you don't need anything to, to back it up. One bad relationship for, you know, for two weeks. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're an expert. Now that's not true for everybody, but there is a lot of that on there. I pay a lot of attention to who's posting what, and I've seen a good amount of that on there. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Laura, I want to start getting into your book. Now that you've mentioned, like, looking at how people talk about this online or not online, and how you say that it has, you know, how the conversation has changed. And uh, by the way, for the audience and listeners, the title of Dr. Laura's book is How to Have a Healthy Relationship in an Unhealthy World. Um, I, I'd like to point that part out. What is this unhealthy world, Ms. Dr. Laura? Well, what would you describe? I wrote the book because I work with so many men and women whose normal isn't healthy. You know, when you talk mm. about you know, the relationship and the dynamics that are unhealthy and helping them process the pain. And then people will, you know, to say to me, Laura, I know about, I know about unhealthy relationships. I know about abusive relationships. I've spent my whole life in one. What I don't know is how to have a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of us either become our, our parents or we marry our parents because that's what healthy looks like. Wow. What what way with that? I'm sorry. I, no, I, that's what normal looks like. A little yes, yes. not so Freudian slip. It's it's not healthy, mm -hmm. but it's normal and it feels comfortable. It's what mm -hmm. we know. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and you know, the thing about toxic relationships is, you know, they look like the fairy tale. The highs are so high, yes. but then the lows are so low. In a mm -hmm. healthy relationship, I always say an unhealthy relationship is more like, you know. Um, a roller coaster, the whole, the highs are so high, but then when it gets bad, the lows are so low. And for some people, the highs are almost worth the lows in the beginning mm -hmm. and then not mm -hmm. so much, but in a healthy relationships, it's more of a, of a merry-go-round, you know, it goes up and down, but not so extreme. And mm -hmm. for some people, it takes some, you know, getting used to because they think they're boring because they're not getting those high highs, you know, almost like an addictive high. And, you know, learning, learning the difference between, you know, what's healthy and, and what's normal. I love that. Everyone needs a copy of that book, Dr. Laura. No wonder it won an award for 
indie best award for nonfiction. <laughs> for relate, you know, and it also talks about now, you know, there are relationships like um, uh, polygamy and BDSM, and you know, May December. Uh, uh, multiracial relationships you know mm -hmm. all of those are very healthy normal relationships yes. as long yeah. as both people are over 18 they're of adult consenting mm -hmm. you know age mm -hmm. and they're mm -hmm. giving free will consent and it's important to remember that cooperation doing something because you're afraid of the consequences if you don't do it is mm -hmm. not free will consent free will consent right. means that it's what you want to do and whatever that looks like, the rules have really changed in relationships mm -hmm. and whatever they are is okay. Wow. As long as it's consensual. As long as it's consensual, as long as it's surrounded by love, by affection love. and care. And then in the book, I go into, you know, the effect of technology on relationships, social media on relationships, oh, porn and relationships, you know, mm -hmm. having a baby. I always, mm -hmm. and you know, I talk about how you have to have a healthy me before you can have a healthy we. And there are oh exercises God. throughout the book. The book probably would take an hour, an hour and a half to read. It's, uh, it's short, it's, there's little stories. You know, nobody wants to sit and read War and Peace anymore. Everything's, mm -hmm. you know, quick. Unfortunately, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not on audio, um, audible at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. But it is on Amazon and downloadable on Kindle, paperback, and hardcover. That's fantastic. I, I just want to highlight that one real quick. I need to be. I need to have a healthy me before we have a healthy we. It's like I've had this conversation recently with a friend who, you know, who wanted to make sure he gets into therapy first before they have kids, because we need to heal our inner child, so to speak, so we don't bleed that into our children. Well, and you can tell him he can read the the last chapter because the last chapter is when you go from me to we to three. Wow. It's about having a baby changes a relationship. Okay, that's fantastic. I will definitely recommend that to my friend. And I, of course, recommend that to all our listeners and our audiences as well. Dr. Can Laura, I show a cover? This is, this is a cover of the book. How to have oh, a healthy relationship in an unhealthy world. In an unhealthy world. Oh, everybody grab your copy. It's over on, where can we find it, Dr. Laura? On it's Amazon? on Amazon. Mm -hmm. It's on Barnes and Noble too. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, it's, it's really, you're really hitting all the points that everyone needs to start talking about these things. And yeah, like, I think it's just a responsible thing to do to, you know, figure out what inner traumas you have, it would be responsible to do that. So you don't bleed that over onto the children that you are going to bring into this world. Um, Dr. Laura, we're nearing the end of this, but I would like, of course, you know, as much as I want to keep you in a little bit more for our audiences, I always like to end it this way. And I always like to ask, what is the future? What are the future aspirations of Dr. Laura Streffler? Uh, what? How do you see the future of mental health advocacy moving forward, and what future developments do you hope to see in that field, particularly in domestic violence and abuse? Well, let me start with you know mental health. I always say um, you know.
know, the soul would have no rainbow if the eyes had no tears, you know, and if there's a beautiful thing that came out of COVID is that it normalized mental health and that it's health. Wow. It's not mental illness, it, it's health. And without yes. mental health, there's no mm -hmm. health. And, mm -hmm. you know, your generation and generations to follow and even mm -hmm. Even older generations, I'm seeing a lot of older people that have never been in therapy before that are mm -hmm. really normalizing and that, you know, it's not just for crazy people. It never mm -hmm. was, but the perception was that only crazy people went to therapy. And the right. truth is, therapy is to help healthy people live healthier lives, you know, to be able to talk about things, get tools. I call it vomiting. Sometimes even if you haven't had trauma and you're just on overload, just to be able to vomit and get all that stuff that you're holding in out in a safe, non-judgmental um, environment. And I think in the future, more and more people are gonna be okay doing that because society is normalizing. Um, wow. therapy, which I think is the most beautiful thing as far as, you know, with victims of domestic violence, you know, one of the other big terms on social media right now is gaslighting, which by yep. the way, comes mm -hmm. from a movie from 1946 called Gaslight okay. with Lana Turner and, um, oh, I'm having a brain freeze. I think it's Charles Boyer. Um, sorry, a little brain freeze here. Um, it's a great movie. It's in black and white. It's on YouTube if you can't find it anywhere else. Um, but, you know, and we used to call it crazy making and it's also called gaslighting. It's playing head games and making your partner think that you're crazy. And traditionally, victims were afraid to go to therapy because they believed that they were crazy and that, you know, a therapist would just confirm or find out that they're crazy. And I can tell you going to therapy doesn't make you crazy. And if you're afraid of being crazy, then you're not crazy because people that really are out of touch with reality don't think they're crazy. They just think you don't get it. So if you're worried about being crazy, if you think you're crazy, chances are pretty good that you're pretty sane. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Thank you for that validation. And yes, it is true. I agree. Um, uh, I hope that the audience feel some even more form of optimism that, you know, mental health is being normalized, therapy is being normalized. And, and thank you for that, for that movie trivia. I didn't know that Gaslight yeah. was the Men trivia. Mental health is wealth. Mental health is wealth. You know, that's, you know, if you think about, you know, things that are of value, if you think of wealth, wealth has... For a lot of people, wealth has, especially entrepreneurs, wealth has value. But without mm -hmm. your physical and mental health, dollars mean nothing. That is true. That is true. It is probably the most what the most important asset right now to have in today's world, especially in today's world, a post-COVID world where stresses seems to have doubled. You know, and and but I love that the optimism, the positive of that is that we are more open and we are more, you know, more welcoming of the mental health. Dr. Laura, I would like to give you this opportunity. Where can we find you? Let us know where we can connect with you. Where can we reach out to you and tell us a bit more about your book and where can we find it? Well, like I said, my, my book is, uh, is on Amazon. My website mm -hmm. is drlauracounseling.com. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my last name is pretty complicated. It's Streffler. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Laura Streffler, S-T-R-E-Y-F-F-E-L-E-R. Um, mm-hmm. You can find me on, on Instagram and uh, feel free to reach out, call, text, email. Fantastic. Dr. Laura, um, I'm sure I speak for the audience as well that we are glad to have you here. For the audiences, of course, I invite them all to grab a copy of that book, get connected with Dr. Laura. And Dr. Laura, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for gracing You are week, very welcome. Week. And I will kind of put a little plug right now. I'm working on a workbook to go with the book. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah, there, there's, there's a workbook coming. All right. Okay. Well, that if that doesn't push anyone else, everyone else to grab a copy, they should start grabbing a copy now. Tell your friends about it. Tell everyone about it. Tell everyone who values mental health about it. Dr. Laura, thank you for being the voice of this. Thank you being for such a leading, you know, long tenured experience it's, it's figure been, in this. Been, you know, I feel like I just want to say, because I mean this with, with all my heart, you know, there are a lot of stories, they're composites of different um, different relationships and things I've learned from clients. And I feel like one of the ways to honor my clients is to share um, the things that they've taught me. You, you talk about me teaching them, but really mm-hmm. I believe what Mark Twain said, I try to mm-hmm. never allow my schooling to interfere with my education. And wow. my clients over the years have taught me so much and if I can give back just a fraction of that, then I can't help but do it. A life will live, would it have it would have been. Dr. Laura, by the way, there's so many you dropped so many gems and quotes that we need to we need to sift through all of that. It was all great. Thank you once again for your It's your been grace it's been my pleasure. And your wisdom. Thank you so much. And to the audiences, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. All right, so here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.